Tom Studio. Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. I uh, really enjoyed the 4 o'clock hour today of the Sports Huddle, and I hope you did too. I guess if I don't enjoy it, nobody's going to enjoy it, right? I mean, if the host isn't enjoying it. But uh, really enjoyed the conversation with Matt, and Matt Josephs, who um, was with me from 4 to 5, in case you're just joining us. And then uh, Alan York, who I haven't had on in a while. Matt's had him on a couple times. Uh, play-by-play voice at Liberty for both Flames football and and men's basketball, and they're off to a, a, a great start. Obviously, football at 9-0. and uh, They've never had an unbeaten season, so they're three wins away from that in the regular season. And then basketball uh, underway last night with a victory as well. So really enjoyed that. Um, again, if you missed any of our interviews, they'll be up on our website, ESPNRichmond.com. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Huddle. What's on your mind? 804-327-0888 gets you on the air. That's also our text line, 327-0888. Uh, I was not on yesterday, of course, because the Spiders were playing last night and was getting ready to do that game. So I haven't been on since the weekend. And this was Richmond's bye weekend for football, uh, which came really late in the year, nine games in, first weekend in November. Turned out to be a great time for the bye week because the Spiders earned it and the way they're playing right now, having won four in a row and six out of seven. And I will admit, it was kind of fun to get away from football for a little bit. Now, it was a beautiful day, so I got out and about, actually. Uh, In fact, I'll tell you, what I did something Saturday – this has nothing to do with sports other than the fact that I was afforded the opportunity because the Spiders were on their bye weekend, and I have a football game to do. And it must be one of the first, if not the first, times that we've had the bye week, the first week in November. Because I went to an event Saturday that is always staged, I believe, the first weekend in November, and that was the Urbana Oyster Festival, uh, where I had I'd never been. I've heard all sorts of great things about it. I like oysters. Um, so off we went on a beautiful Saturday. Uh, great drive, 64 down to 33 and through West Point and uh, Saluda and, and near Deltaville and all of those towns that I've always heard of them and I see their, their names on the highway roadside and I've never been to or been through. Got an opportunity to get through them on Saturday. Great event. Really was a lot of fun. Tons of vendors and food and drink and lots of people and it wasn't hard to get in and out of at all. Uh, they've got it down to a science down there with all the people they get in that little town. I think it, it's the first time I've ever been to Urbana. And the one thing I thought was I would love to go back just on a normal weekend. You know, when the streets aren't blocked off and there's not crowds of people walking and parades and, you know, the vendors and oyster, all of that. Just see what that town is like. It looks like a really nice town. So anyway, back to the sports world. That's how I got away from football for a little bit. But, of course, I was checking on games and, uh, you know, went to the, the replay of games, particularly in the CAA, to see what was going on. Because, you know, Richmond really has done a great job to put itself back in contention for this thing obviously the season did not start the way the spiders would have liked for it to start and yet they've rallied from that to the point that they have won four in a row six out of seven and they woke up sunday morning in a five-way tie for first place 
in the CAA. And I'm not sure if when the Spiders started the way they did, if anybody would have thought that that was possible. And yet this team has done it. And now they get a home game, senior day for all the the seniors, um, last regular season home game of the year. And they get to do it against our guy, Derby Bills, Elon Phoenix. No, he's not on the air. He's just DMing and texting and all of that kind of stuff. But it is a big one between Richmond and Elon. Phoenix give the Spiders fits, it seems, every year. But, look, there are five teams tied for first place. Delaware, which lost to Elon, Villanova, Albany, Richmond and Elon. William and Mary's out of this thing, which is almost inconceivable. They were preseason like number five in the country, picked to win the CAA, coming off a great year last season with virtually everybody back, and they've hit the speed bumps. I mean, they didn't look – I watched the first half of their game against Albany on, uh, on Saturday. Albany was clearly the better team and the aggressor and uh, Albany is in great shape, a team we don't talk much about down here. Richmond doesn't play. William & Mary wishes it didn't play because it lost on Saturday, and the Tribe's out of it at 5-4 and four and 3-3. Three and three. They've got one this weekend, and then they get Richmond, and if the Spiders win Saturday, William & Mary will have the opportunity to spoil the year for the Spiders, so you know they'll be up for that. That always happens. That's one of the beauties of having a, a rivalry game to end your season, that you always have that to point to, no matter what your record is. Sure, it's kind of a consolation if you're out of the playoffs, if you're having a losing season, but it does help get you into the off season if you can beat your, to beat your arch rival, for sure. And if you can knock them out of their own playoff bid, even sweeter for you. So that's the position um, unexpectedly that William and Mary finds itself in now at just five and four and three and three in the CAA. So as I said at the end of the the four o'clock hour, a couple of these five and one teams are going to take care of themselves because Delaware Villanova play next week. Richmond Elon play this week. Albany is in a very intriguing position. Um, the Great Danes will play 12 regular season games. FCS really only playing 11 this year um it, it depends on the calendar i don't need to get into all that but they were afforded a 12th game because if you go and make that long trip to hawaii to play hawaii they give you an extra game that you can play they give you an extra week to the season so albany's going to wind up playing 12 games uh, hawaii's one of their losses and they're seven and three and they got two left so they could finish nine and three and seven and one in the caa which could give them the automatic bid to the CAA as the CAA representative, and then it'll be a matter of how many teams they want to take into the 24-team field out of the CAA. Delaware still seems to be in a pretty strong spot. So does Villanova, but you got to figure if they both win this week, it's going to come down to that game between Delaware and Villanova, just as it could between Richmond and Elon and then Albany. So I think it would be safe to say there are at least three teams that should go, assuming Albany wins out. Um, they, they could go from the CAA, and I think there would be a hope that they would get four, that there there could be a pathway for at least four of those five teams if they finish with one or two conference losses and two or three overall losses that they could still be going to the FCS playoffs. So my point being, it's a monumental game for the Spiders and Elon Saturday 2 o'clock at Robin Stadium. 
Uh, we'll honor the senior class of spiders. It's also the 25th anniversary of the 1998 Atlantic 10 championship team. That's back in the day when the A-10 sponsored football that the spiders won. My broadcast partner, Chris Anderson, was a member of that team. So you know he's jacked up for this weekend. And I think there's something like 60 or so guys that are coming back for that game this weekend to be honored um, and kind of have a reunion um, from 25 years ago. Pretty amazing. Uh, So we're looking forward to that as well in addition to the game. Uh, Matt mentioned it. He's going to have Ryan Cole, Spider, one of those seniors, um, offensive lineman. He'll be on tomorrow afternoon on Border to Border. And then I've actually got Coach Russ Huseman on tomorrow afternoon. We had a little bit of a mix-up with with Coach and with Big Al in the morning this week, and uh, nobody's fault. It just kind of got, you know, signals got that got crossed, and, and Russ, who's normally on with Al every Tuesday morning, uh, was not on this morning, and I'll have him tomorrow afternoon at 4.30. So we'll get a chance to catch up with Coach Usman not only tomorrow afternoon at 4.30, but also on the Coach's Show Thursday from noon to 1 at the Brass Tap over there at Libby Mill Midtown. If you haven't been over there to join us yet, certainly encourage you to do so. Great food, great people over there. Welcomed us with open arms all season long. Only got a couple more of those left. This Thursday is one of them. And to entice you even a little bit more, in addition to yours truly and Coach Huseman, Tristan Wheeler, uh, the Spiders All-American, All-Conference, All-Leading Tackler standout, will be our player guest. And he's another of those seniors who look to have an emotional senior day on Saturday against Elon. So Tristan Wheeler, Spider Linebacker, is our guest uh, Thursday, noon to 1 at the Brass Tap, Libby Mill Midtown. Come by, have lunch with us, and uh, meet the gang and talk some college football with us on Thursday afternoon. You can talk anything you want right now, 804-327-0888 on the program. That's also the text line. I'll get to that, 327-0888. And here's what else we're getting to in the 5 o'clock hour of the Tuesday Sports Huddle. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure he'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, give James River Air a call for a free in-home consultation. You can check them out online at jamesriverair.com. Alluded to this only briefly earlier, but Carson Wentz is back in an NFL uniform. Again, he has signed, or at least sources say he is signing with the L.A. Rams. Of course, Matthew Stafford is hurt. They're looking for a quarterback. They're on their bye week. He could get some extra practices in there and could be a quarterback for the L.A. Rams. Um, You don't see me. I'm not on video right now, but I'm still shaking my head. Um, Have certainly fell out of favor on the Carson Wentz bandwagon. Of course, we know him here in the greater mid-Atlantic area, the 22 season with the Commanders. That turned out to be a disaster. Indianapolis before that. And, look, he was going great guns with the Eagles, was drafted with the number two pick in 2016, and, you know, he probably would have led them to the Super Bowl had he not gotten hurt. And then Nick Foles took over, and, you know, that Cinderella story is kind of, you know, etched in lore and legacy now in Philly. And and Carson Wentz has never been the same, never been the same quarterback since that mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, I don't know if this experiment's going to work. You know, desperate times for desperate people, and the Rams appear desperate. Um, 
you know, they had Brett Rippon, you know, at quarterback for a while. That didn't work out. They released him. Stafford's been hurt. So they're going to give the veteran, why not, give the veteran Wentz a try. So that's kind of an NFL headline story for today. Now, on the NFL front, we're going to talk some commanders football at the bottom of the hour with Darrell Owens. Legacy Maker Sports Network. He's been joining us pretty much on a weekly basis, pretty much on a regular basis because he's been covering the Commanders week in and week out. He was at Foxborough for the game against New England that the, the uh, Commanders won. Um, so we'll talk to him about that. And look, I, I got to tell you, I mean, you all know that listen to this show regularly uh, and this station. Uh, Al, obviously, Commanders fan up there in the morning, but Matt and I are Eagles fans. In the afternoon, so we do slant it uh, a little bit. We try not to, but we do. And and this conversation is about the commanders coming up. But I watched both of those games Sunday. What a clear difference in the talent level between and the execution level and the coaching between. And I'm talking about Bill Belichick now, who I think has lost it a little bit now. He doesn't have the talent that he had, but it it just seemed like such a difference in talent between Patriots, Commanders, and Eagles, Cowboys. Uh, Just night and day difference in the way the game was played, the speed of the game, the sharpness of the game. Uh, You know, both games were close, but, you know, there was obviously more drama in the Eagle-Cowboy game because the teams are better and they're higher up in the standings. But it really was eye-opening to me. Like, I think the Commanders have some decent pieces and some decent parts. But when you they haven't been able to put them all together, and it just shows that there's just there's there's a wide divide between those four teams. Maybe you know this just in the breaking news. It's not between the Patriots, Commanders, and the Eagles, Cowboys. A a wide difference, and it just looked like stark reality to me in watching those games back to back on on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. But a win is a win for the Commanders, and they desperately needed it. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, and again, Sam Howe looks great. I do think as long as they're patient with him and they continue to work him right, he's going to be their quarterback for some time to come. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that and building around him and you know some of the uh, skill position players they have at wide receiver and at running back that they can do some damage there. But they need to be patient with him and give him the opportunity and then give him the guys around him to be successful. But I I am a Sam Howell fan. I do like what he's doing, a quarterback for the commanders. Uh, So, again, Darrell Owens coming up here at 530. 804-327-0888. We'll talk some more college football, some more college basketball. Uh, Really excited the college basketball season is underway. I've said this before. Those of us that work in the injury industry, this crossover season can be taxing, tiring, difficult when you've got football and basketball. Fans love it for the most part, right? They get both of two of their favorite sports going at the same time. That's really a lot of fun. But I actually enjoyed it. I was glad college hoops was underway. It was good to be back in a college basketball arena and looking forward to a lot more of it um, coming up as well. So uh, there you go. That's kind of my take on that for this afternoon. And it is 516. I'll tell you what, Lewis, I'm going to back this up just a little bit. I know you got Chris on the line, so let me get to him. Uh, probably push us a little bit on the break, but we will uh, juggle some balls in midair. I don't want to keep Chris, keep, keep Chris waiting any longer than I already have. So let's go to the phones. Chris, thanks for joining the Sports Huddle this afternoon. Hello. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Great. How are you? I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little salty from Sunday about your Eagles beating on my Cowboys, but – 
Um, well, you I, were I, um, I, you were you were literally like six inches away from winning that game, right? On on two different plays, you were that close. I mean, the one where uh, uh, Prescott, you know, steps out. Uh, lunging for the goal line on the two-point conversion, that would have changed the whole dynamic of that game. And then the, the pass at the goal line, that you know, the knee went down, and that could have been a touchdown as well. So I, I wouldn't be too salty or too down on that game. And you got him back at your place on December 10th. So it was just a high-level uh, NFL football game, Chris. It, it was. I think that uh, you know the two-point definitely was a you know a factor because a field goal, we wouldn't have had to go for a touchdown to win it. But that one in the end zone where um, that guy's knee was down at the goal line, that yep. was definitely the game changer. But um, as an Eagles fan, knowing you're a schedule ahead, I know a lot of Eagles fans you know, are kind of oblivious to things, but – how, how do you think? Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. Time out, Chris. I'm not letting you go on that one. What do you mean Eagle fans are oblivious to these things? Well, they kind of think that they kind of believe that, you know, they're untouchable in a way, but your schedule coming up is kind of rough. You, and, you it know, is. I know, the, I know they said that that game was more of a must win for Dallas than it was Philly, but it. It actually seems like it was more of a must-win for Philly because of the schedule they got coming up. And Dallas has got a pretty favorable schedule. Um, and, you know, you know, not to wish bad luck with you, but, you know, San Francisco, Buffalo, Dallas, and Kansas City, they, that could be four straight losses if, you know, things didn't turn your way. And that completely shakes up the whole division. Well, I can tell you this Eagle fan is not oblivious to that. I have certainly known that, and that's why we've been counting and stacking up wins to this point. And, you know, if you do the math, okay, so you got those four really tough games coming. You're absolutely right about those. And, you know, two of them are on the road, the Chiefs and the Cowboys. They get the Bills and, and Niners at home. After that, it softens up. Uh, they do have to go to Seattle, but that's a winnable game. And they get the Giants twice in there. So even if you give them those three wins, Wins, they're still at eleven, and they're in really good shape come postseason time. That's how I'm, oh, that's definitely. how that's how I'm kind of narrating the, the, the schedule that's coming up because you're right. There's a lot of lot of potholes in that schedule coming. Yeah, I mean Dallas is in. You know, there's not much easier. They still got a you know, Buffalo and Miami, and you know the Cowboys seem to play their competition, so they could always cough up another one. But definitely seems different from the NFC East last year. In terms of the scheduling, you know, it seems like everybody in the NFC East had a favorable schedule last year, and this year we're finding out kind of which teams are made of what, and it looks like it's just Dallas and Philly by themselves. I agree with that. I think there's a clear divide between those two teams and the Commanders and the Giants, and, of course, the Giants ravaged by injuries as well. So I would hang in there on the Cowboys. I think you're right, Chris. And uh, let, let's circle uh, Sunday night, December 10th, as a, as the next big big meeting between the Eagles and the Cowboys, all right? I'll make sure to call back in for you. Yeah, please do. Call ahead of that, and, and we'll talk about it afterwards, no matter who wins. All right, Chris, got to roll. Thanks. Thanks. Good stuff. Appreciate that. Um, 
that's actually a reasonable cowboy fan there. I like that. I like Chris. That was that was good. And yeah, they were just inches away from that game having a totally different outcome and narrative. Um, make no mistake about that. All right, let's get this break in here. Lewis is pushing the buttons. We'll rearrange some things. We've fallen a little bit behind, but I wanted to get to Chris. Come back on the other side, do a real quick segment, and then Darrell Owens, probably a little bit past the bottom of the hour, will join us to talk some more Commanders football. Sports Auto 1061 ESPN. This weekend, the Spiders host the Phoenix of Elon in their final home game of the season. Our coverage of this critical CAA clash begins Saturday afternoon at 1.30 ahead of a 2 o'clock kick here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 106.1 ESPN Richmond. Tonight, Richmond beat VMI. Uh, Davidson struggled early with Washington and Lee, and I'm going to continue to be critical of established D1 programs playing Division Three teams. You've got to be able to find a low-level D1 team and stay out of the D3 arena. Maybe if you're a VMI, we'll cut you a little slack because of what they go through and the nine freshmen and all the transfers they've lost, um, that they could build some confidence playing D3. But Davidson's an established program. Uh, at the at the least, they should be playing, you know, like Richmond did last night, the bottom 20 teams, 25 teams. you got to find somebody who would come in there and, and play and not a Division three. That game does not help anybody, and it doesn't help the Atlantic 10 either. All right, so anyway, so Davidson won. Duquesne squeaked one out over Cleveland State, 79-77. Rhode Island opens the season with a win over Central Connecticut. Uh, Mason, first game for Tony Skin as their head coach, win over Monmouth. St. Joe's, which is supposed to be greatly improved, certainly showed it last night, 81-60 over Lafayette. Dayton got a win. St. Bonaventure, that was probably a pretty good game against Longwood. Haven't mentioned the Lancers yet, 73-69. The Bonnies won that game at the Riley Center. Fordham, a four-point win over Wagner. St. Louis beat Southern Illinois, Indiana, and GW crushed Stonehill to start the season. So good opening night uh, in the Atlantic 10. They need to keep it going during the non-conference portion of their schedule so we can get multiple teams back in the NCAA tournament. All right, when we come back in a moment, we'll talk some commanders. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, will join us. And just saw a story on ESPN, ESPN.com. It's getting ugly in the Big Ten and this cheating scandal with Michigan. Uh, the Wolverines are now pointing the finger at Rutgers, Ohio State, and Purdue, saying they were a big uh, conglomerate now and they were telling each other about signs for Michigan. And, wow, this thing is really getting messy in the Big Ten, and there is no love loss right now between Harbaugh and any of these Big Ten teams and coaches. More on that as we move along in the last half hour of the Sports Huddle. Darrell Owens next. We'll talk some Commanders, 106.1 ESPN. Washington Commanders with a 20-17 win over the struggling, hapless New England Patriots. I think most of us around the NFL or NFL fads take great joy in using those adjectives to describe Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Struggling, hapless. Been a long time coming. They're 2-7 and seven now. Fans at their stadium getting restless. They've only won one home game this season and lost on Sunday to the Commanders who get to 4-5 and five with the 2017 victory. Let's get the eyewitness account on it from our guy, Darrell Owens, who was there in Foxborough to check out the Commanders' victory. Darrell, how are your travels going these days? And hope you're doing well. I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, it's uh, been busy, but, uh, you know, 
ready for a relaxing week. And, you know, I guess the grind never stops. You know how that works, Bob. Yeah, especially this time of year. We've got a lot of things going. <laughs> That's for sure. You you know that. Um, so this game almost was like which quarterback was going to throw the worst interception, right? Sam Howell throws the one right before halftime, and then Mac Jones, really the dagger, throws the one at the end of the game that sealed the commander's win. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's crazy because, you know, watching this game, uh, I still felt like, even though the Patriots were, you know, obviously it was 20 to 17, it was kind of close. Their offense just did not look good. Um, it just really didn't look good. I saw their defense play pretty well, but it was just something about their offense that just didn't look good. It almost reminded me of times that we've seen how the commanders have played in games, uh, you know, the Giants game per se, and it had that same type of vibe. Uh, but watching it overall, I thought um, really good um, what I saw uh, from Sam Howell. I really like what I see from Sam Howell. Like I, the last couple of weeks where he's getting protected a lot better, <laughs> it, it's been a whole different dream to me. Uh, and I feel really good about what I see from Sam. I mean, that was one of the biggest takeaways I took from the game. I, I agree with you. I think this was particularly a crossroads moment for him. And, look, his numbers look great, right? 29 to 45, uh, second straight 300-yard game. He hit 325. Uh, he was sacked three times. He's he's used to that at this point with, with that offensive line. But that interception, Darrell, before halftime, that could have been a backbreaker to a young quarterback. And I know the story out there that Ron Rivera just stopped him in the tunnel before they ever got to the locker room. Uh, he knew he was kicking himself. And how responded from that for whatever reason, whatever picked me up, if he did it himself, if his coaches got in his ear, whatever, and came back to be an NFL quarterback in the second half and find a way to direct them to victory. Yeah, uh, it was it was crazy because um, I was in the end zone during that drive. And I said to myself, I was like, okay, the way they were working down the field, it felt pretty good. I'm like, okay, this is had a couple penalties that helped them out along in the drive. But they still were getting down the field, you know, decently. And I said, okay, you, you see him, like, break out of the pocket. And from where I was standing, you saw Logan Thomas cut across, you know, the middle of the end zone. And I think that's who he initially wanted to throw the ball to. But then he did see the three or four Patriot players that were there, and he hesitated a little bit. And then when Logan adjusted and went back the other way, Jahan Dotson slowly but surely comes across the back part of the end zone. And I think he thought, okay, if I can just throw it in a spot where just Jahan can get it. I think that's what the thought process was. I mean, from where I was, I, I got a couple pictures of the spot, um, and I didn't post those, but I took a couple pictures of the spot, and that's what it looked like. You saw Jahan kind of trailing in the back of the end zone, and I think he was looking for it. He knew it was a bad throw and something that he can't do. Uh, and I think, you know, listen to him in the press conference, I feel like every week he learns a little bit more about, you know, about himself, you know, in this NFL game. And I think that it will get better. I still think he'll make that mistake every now and then um, as he grows. But I think I knew exactly what he was trying to do on that one. And I was like, it wasn't a good throw, though. It wasn't a good decision at all. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting to see. And I think you could be saying the same thing about Mac Jones and, and his pass at the end of the game when they just needed a field goal to tie it and, and could have won it on a touchdown pass. And you know he was trying to do that. But, hey, at least Jartavius Martin catches that ball that was thrown right to him and, and yeah. for all intents and purposes seals the game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least he caught it. And it, and if I'm not 100%, I can't remember off top of my head, but 
It felt. I think one of the Patriots players may have had a hand on it initially, or like bounced off his shoulder. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it did. Uh, but, yeah, and then, but Martin was right there to grab it, and you know, I, I it, it says a lot to this team, especially after the week they had for them to come out there and and get a win. I, I think that was a really you know really big thing for them. I'm not going to lie to you, Bob. I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought going into this game, if they didn't win, and the way it depend on how they lost. I don't know if Rivera's a coach today. If it if it went the other way, that's how I think it is right now. Like I think it's a, a thin ice type of thing right now. Um, and you know, I, I know he's trying to get you know get in a really good spot. And I know he gave the guys off till Wednesday, which he got a lot of flack for on uh, <laughs> social media because he gave them off till Wednesday. And um, yeah, I, I think he got a lot of flack from fans about it. I was. Reading, you know, reading through the comments can be a dangerous thing. But uh, <laughs> he got a lot of he got a lot of lot of heat for um, giving them two days off. But you know, I think that's just a way of him trying to get the team back on the right foot. And you know, we'll see if it works this weekend in Seattle. Well, a couple a couple of thoughts there. I don't think they're making a coaching change in season at this point. I think they're just going to going to die on this hill with Ron Rivera for the rest of you. I just don't think they're going to upset the apple cart at this point. And if this thing doesn't work out, of course, obviously with the trades of Montez Sweat and Chase Young, it's likely not going to work out. And then my opinion is they're cleaning house at the end of the year. I am not in the camp that Eric Bieniemy is the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. I think this yeah. new ownership group is just bringing in all of it, of its new people. So that's, that's one thought there. I just, I just didn't think – um, that that was going to happen. This my second thought. I think this whole thing about giving them a, a till Wednesday off is really overblown. I don't know NFL players' schedules, and you know it better than I do. But if they play mm-hmm. on Sunday, they're at least getting Monday off. So at yeah. the very most, he was just giving them one extra day. And I'm sure Tuesday is the lightest work day of the week anyway, as their bodies are still recovering from Sunday. I don't know that it was as big a deal as everybody's making that out to be. I, I think fans are just a little bit upset about how the season has gone as a whole. Yeah. I mean, like I said, some of the comments were hilarious. I, I, I couldn't help but to giggle. But most of the time, uh, they, they don't usually – I think they come back in on Tuesday, but it's a light day. And then Wednesday yeah. is when the media usually comes back out there. Uh, and then they kind of go from there. But, I, look, I, I mean, the only gripe I would give on that, I guess, for fans is, like, you know, they do have Seattle this week, and they do have to travel to Seattle. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're, what day they're leaving to go to Seattle. I don't know if they're leaving Friday or how they plan on doing that. But uh, maybe I guess we could see a little argument there. But I think he's still one of those things where he's just trying to get the team, you know, hey, we've got to get past what happened last week. The trades happened. we got to move on. And I think that's just kind of part of it. You know, he's trying to keep uh, – keep, Keep things on the right foot. So I'll throw one more thing at you on that one as well. And and I don't know that it's Dr. Ron Rivera at all, and I don't know that he's a sports psychologist, but I just wonder if he's kind of keeping an eye on, well, which players came in anyway? Who else made an appearance Tuesday, get a little more treatment or watch a little more tape? I'm sure they can watch tape at home. I'm sure every laptop and iPad, they can get the the tape that they need to see. They don't have to be in the building to do it. But I just wonder if he's like, who's buying in still? And, and, And Terrell, they had a tough week emotionally, right, with the trades of Sweat and young, and I don't know if you're able to, to sense any kind of vibe in the locker room about you know how those guys, how those human beings reacted to, to two of their own being shipped out. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit on that. So I was there Wednesday, the day it, um, the day after it happened, and so I went up there, uh, and I will say this: I felt 
it was a weird vibe. It really was. Like I could tell that people were they were sad about the about the trade. I really do think there was a couple of sad. Terry McLaurin said something that I and like. I ain't gonna lie. It made me I'm not want to cry, but it made me say, "Oh man, that's tough." You know. But you you know, I think sometimes with the business aspect, people don't realize how um, you know how these friendships are built or how much of a bond some of the players have, especially when they get traded away. And Terry said um, at the very end of his. Um, as of his scrum, for those who know out there, when the media running around, standing yeah. in the middle. But when he was in the scrum, uh, he had said um, at the very end, he was like, yeah, he said, I'm going to call him this weekend talking about Chase and tell him how much I miss him. And he said it as sincere as it wasn't trying to be funny. He was just like, I'm going to call him this weekend and let him know how much I miss him. So, mm-hmm. And they just kind of like ended it that way. And I was like, wow. <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I can say was wow. And I, But I feel him. You know? I mean, they've been teammates for a long time. And it's and it's, it had to be a little bit tough on him, but uh, I don't know how he feels about what Chase said the day before yesterday about his teammates and, <laughs> and coaching uh, in the last organization that he was at. But uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Darrell, one more thought on this guy. I think that that's great observation. We really appreciate you know you taking us inside you know the media sessions in the locker room to kind of kind of get the feel. That's why I ask you to come on because you're you're around this team virtually week in and week out. My other thought from from the game, I, I mean, the offensive line still didn't do a great job of protecting Hal with the three quarterback sacks, and he ran for his life a couple of other times. But they ran the ball for 124 yards. And when they can do that, when you can run for about a buck twenty-five in the NFL, you've got a decent chance to be at least competitive, if not successful. So I think that was a step in the right direction. I agree. I mean, I mean, I, here's the thing. I mean, <clears throat> if, if you're a team, and I know a lot of teams that are so pass-heavy, but if you can get your get you a solid, it'd be great. It just needs to be a solid running game. And a 125, a Russian is exactly what you, you know, that's, I would say that's kind of where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to have a 100 yard day and, and, and keep, you know, the defense honest, you know. And so I think they did a really good job in that. You know, Robinson had a good day. I saw um, Antonio Gibson seemed like he was having a pretty solid day for the most part. Uh, and so it's, it's good to see. Um, it's good to see that, that running game kind of getting together there. And, and they're going to need that throughout the rest of the season. I mean, uh, Seattle this weekend is going to be a little bit of a tough test. Uh, you know, Seattle's uh, has played pretty well except for this except for this yeah. past weekend. <laughs> they played pretty well except for this past weekend, so it's it, it'll be a nice test for them. But it's a it'll be a bounce back type of game for Seattle. It'll be a game that you know Washington desperately you know needs to keep things going. I mean, they're only a game out of the playoff spot. Only a game somehow. <laughs> somehow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what what Seahawk team shows up. Now, everybody that's gotten in the way of the Ravens has gotten crushed. I mean, they're they are not just beating people; they are pummeling people, and you know, they're, and nobody's they're, talking especially about them. at home. And they're nobody, seven and two, and yeah, and nobody's talking about them, Bob. That's the crazy thing: they're seven and two, and no one's really talking about yep. them. Maybe a little bit now, but before this week, it really wasn't happening that much. They they, yep. they were just the Ravens. <laughs> they were just the Ravens. <laughs> Uh, are you making this long trip to Seattle, or are you watching this one on TV? This is going to be what I call a red zone Sunday. Um, <laughs> I'll be at I'll be at the house watching red zone this week. I'm going to take a little bit of a rest before I head back up there for New York. Um, so Dallas and Seattle are the only two games that I'm not making the trip for. But everywhere else, I should be, um, you know, on the road or or at FedEx. So that's that was the plan. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to do both games in the Thanksgiving week. So. Awesome stuff.
Awesome. Well, you deserve it. You deserve to kick back and just watch all the games on your couch on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Great, great stuff and perspective on this one this week, Darrell. And uh, we'll we'll catch up here before long, and I'm sure I'll, I'll be seeing you at some college basketball games before yeah, too long. Yeah. It's been so much going on, Bob. I'm like, oh, college basketball started this week. Yes. Don't look now, but here it is. It's honest. I know, I know. And I hope you had a great broadcast last night. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was great to get back, and uh, obviously the Spiders played well, so that made it fun also, and kind of looking forward to doing it again this weekend. All right, Darrell. <laughs> yep, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Bob. All right, Darrell <laughs> Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network. You can check them out online, and they cover not just the commanders, uh, but all sorts of sports in our area, whether it's Richmond, VCU, Union, Virginia State. Haven't even touched on that, that big rivalry game that went to Union. I don't know what kind of shape my guy Sean Robertson is going to be in when I see him Thursday in the studio, being the, the Virginia State guy he is. But he covered that game, uh, was straight down the middle, covered it fair, did the post-game interviews with Virginia Union, which won that game and moved on to the CIAA championship game uh this week so uh we'll see what kind of shape sean is in when i join him in the studio for thursday's sports huddle uh let's take one more break we'll come back and uh, wrap it up i really do not like the idea that it's dark outside already and we're not even off the air yet that whole switch back to daylight the eastern standard time man oh man it does cut into the daylight hours in the afternoon it's only going to get darker earlier for a little while now so hang in there make sure those headlights are on as you're driving around and be careful and keep it tuned right here back after the break 1061 espn perfect you're home for richmond spiders athletics all year round w291c you are vhd2 richmond we are 1061 espn this is sports center I'm Christine Lisi. Michigan has sent documents to the Big Ten that the school believes show three conference teams engaged in communications about the Wolverine signals in 2022, reports ESPN's Adam Rittenberg and Tom Van Haren. The three teams, Rutgers, Ohio State, and Purdue. This as the Big Ten moles over possible discipline for the Wolverines over alleged uh, sign stealing and an NCAA investigation into the matter. Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, activated from the pup list, will make his season debut Sunday against the Falcons, provided all goes well this week. It is the right call for Arizona, says ESPN's Jeff Saturday. If he's healthy enough to play, you need to see what he is. Because we all know if you've got a good QB that you can build around, and that's what they have to figure out, Gannon and the crew have to figure out if this is the guy they want to build around. If not, uh, then, then you make an adjustment. But at this point, you got to play it. Jeff Saturday on Carlin versus Joe Murray is coming back from a torn ACL. An amended contract for Kansas basketball coach Bill Self, $13 million this season, $53 million over the next five years, reports ESPN's Jeff Borzello. Self will be the highest paid coach in college basketball. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. From Studio 2 at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and the HD Studio in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Freddie and Harry. Building North Carolina, what's something that, in your opinion, has lasted way too long? The term, the myth, the lie, the patriot way. <laughs> Everyone hear it again. It was the Brady Bunch, and that was it. The Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. Phil came strong. Phil, uh, is yeah. that you? <laughs> Phil, I told him that was my boy. That's Phillip. Awesome. Phillip, it's time to jam. Hey, Phil, it's time to jam. 
This is Freddie and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Top of the hour ever. Welcome to the best show on your radio. Well done, Sam Pierce behind the scenes. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Together on Freddie and Harry. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate you joining us on the ESPN app. Sirius X and Channel 80. And also that smart speaker to play ESPN radio. Ten minutes away. When it comes to the touch tree, who was on that tree or who was not on that tree when it comes to NFL teams? We're going to do that in about ten minutes. We know where the New York Jets are on that trust tree. They're not even a trust orchard, based on what we saw last night involving that football team. And that offense had a winning streak, but then he looked off against the Los Angeles Chargers. And everybody, once again, giving Zach Wilson, the quarterback, that shade. Giving Zach Wilson, that quarterback, that business. Well, Rob Salah, Jets head coach on the Michael K Show on ESPN New York 98.7 FM. And he says, yeah, Zach Wilson wasn't good, but... You turn on the tape and are there things that Zach needed to do better yesterday? 100%. He knows it. We know it. Everyone knows it. But are there areas of the field where we could have been better for him as a play caller? Sure. Are there areas on the field where we could have been better as position coaches, putting our players in position? Yes. Could the players have been better from an execution standpoint, catching the ball, blocking, running the right route, being more efficient in the run game? Absolutely. And and sometimes it's very obvious when you turn on the All-22 that the quarterback is just incapable. It's not the case here. But then they asked him about, hey, you got a guy in there. I know. I, I was what trying, the hell? I was trying hard not to bust out laughing when I heard the final eight seconds of that. I'm like, dude. There's protection, there's coddling, but then there's that. And that's what happens when you have a mistake in the building and you're trying to make that mistake not seem to be that way on the surface when it comes to Zach Wilson. I also think there's a way to take up for your players without blatantly lying to all of us. <laughs> in a, it, like in a, in a piece that we just heard, though, uh-huh. bro, because, number one, Alan Lazard ain't catching the football. Alan Lazard, his hand's not even right when the ball coming to his way. No He's, doubt. So... The offensive line allowing eight sacks, Zach Wilson holding on to the football more than two and a half seconds. All eight sacks came when he's holding on to the football. So there, there's just about a lot of things on that offense that isn't going right. Guys not holding on to the football and fumbling. That's one of the things that hurt you last night. Lord have mercy. You know, put it this way, and I know what he's trying to do. He doesn't want, not that his team has to worry about having a confidence crisis, but this goes to how the quarterback is playing, and he knows that affects his entire football team. He doesn't have to listen to sports talk radio. He can feel it in his locker room. Because I'm sure there are plenty of guys looking at him going, Coach, really? We got to go with this guy again? That's why I thought it was very interesting when he was asked about, hey, you did sign Trevor Simeon not too long ago to be the backup quarterback. And check out the Hezzy from Robert Salah. You've got Trevor Simeon in your building. Why not give him a try? Fair question. You know, it's uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one in terms of just, I kind of explained it, you know, yeah. respectfully, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but it's a, va- they're valid questions, but, and I know, and I know from a passionate fan, from fans who are passionate, all having the same questions, I respect it greatly, you know, but it's, I've got to look at it from a global standpoint and just see where we are and, and look at the all 22 the best I can and, and make the decisions best as possible. So Coach Salah's draw, his throat was kind of parched, kind of dry, needed some water. When they asked him about, you know, Trevor Simeon, <laughs> all of a sudden, he started sounding like Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> his, throat, his, his throat was kind of dry. Freddie, did he just say, I plead the fifth on this one? 
At least didn't plead the fifth from Chappelle's show. So we should be glad of that. Oh, <laughs> I have an amendment to defend my quarterback. I know you don't like Zach Wilson and you want Aaron Rodgers back. But Trevor Simmons the backup, but I'm going to plead the one, two, three, four, five, fifth. When it comes to my quarterback, Zach Wilson, that's what he did. Hey, you wonder what's crazy because, like, I picked this football team to win this division before the season started, yes, right? You did. And I actually want to see them succeed and do well. So do I. I also hate watching greatness being waits, wasted. When I'm looking at that defense and what they've been able to do against Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and also last night, Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert wasn't phenomenal, and I haven't even got on him yet. I'm probably saving it for another time. But, hell, it's about time he showed that contract is worth, it's well, worth it. No doubt about that. And you can't say that his coach is holding him back. You can't exactly. say the same thing about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is holding Zach Wilson back. And he's holding that entire team back. That's why Robert Sala sounded. You've got Trevor Simeon in your building. Why not give him a try? Fair question. You know, it's uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. Uh-oh. I'm going to plead the fifth on all. Yeah. Uh-oh. Usually you don't need a lawyer in a press conference if you got to plead the fifth. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember when the last time I heard, heard a coach mm-hmm. in a press conference uh-huh. when asked about his quarterback yeah. or the backup quarterback, he said, I, I plead the fifth. Yeah. Yeah, and think about that. Because when, when Michael K asked him that question in a Michael K show on ESPN Radio 98.7 FM in New York, you're exactly right because it was a fair question. Michael K was like, well, you got 